listening to Fox Sports Radio. 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 Well, in the words of Austin Powers, allow myself to introduce myself. This is Straight Out of Vegas. I'm Bernie Fratto, live from the Farmers Insurance Fox Sports Radio Studios. Call 1 888 Farmers to switch, and you could save on your auto insurance. What else are you going to do with your phone the next few minutes? Look at pictures of food your friends ate? Again? Call 1 888 Farmers for a quote. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. And on that note, welcome back to another critically acclaimed edition of Straight Out of Vegas, the weekend adaptation. Tonight we dive right in as we have a couple of great guests. In about 15 minutes, we'll be joined by Aaron Torres to talk some college hoops because, yeah, we've got a transition into that, and there's some real storylines developing. And in about 60 seconds, we'll chop it up with longtime Las Vegas bookmaker Dave Sherapan as we are in the final countdown for Super Bowl 55. Now, later on, after, after uh, Brian Finley's epic update, Always sensational. Sleepy will weigh in with another best bet. And then I'm going to weigh in on this Matt Stafford situation as he comes to Los Angeles. As you all know, I did the Detroit Lions pre- and post-game show for about 10 years, and I've maintained all my contacts. And, uh, look, there's a lot to talk about this. And this this just happened, and I, I, I could probably do a whole show on it, but I don't want to put you to sleep. And we're going to close out the show later, by the way, I want to get into the history of props, uh, betting props, Super Bowl props, and there's not only a great backstory there, but you've got a situation where now they're they're more creative than ever, and of the $150 million that will be bet on the Super Bowl this year, well, uh, I think about a third of it will be props. So, you you know, there's a lot of creativity here. All right. So, look, as you know, sports are entertainment, but they're more than that. They are a shared experience, and as such, people want to talk about them. You've come to the right place. We've got a lot to talk about tonight. So, anyway, um, as they say in Harold Stassen, Minnesota, it's going to be lit. This is straight out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. Look, the interesting thing about the Super Bowl, there's been 54 of them played, and what can we glean from the 54 that have been played? Well, the one thing I do know is the team with the most total yards in the Super Bowl is 41 and 13 straight up. And it kind of goes hand in hand with the fact that teams with a better defense, well, they won 44 of the 54 Super Bowl games. So if you're looking for some kind of an angle, well, Tampa Bay brings the league's seventh best defense into the Super Bowl straight up. They rank number seven and Kansas City's 15th. So, for what it's worth, and Tampa Bay, by the way, limited six opponents to their season yards low. Kansas City only did that once or twice. Now, look, this season, Kansas City was 11-0 in games when they ran for 100 yards on the ground. So, if you're looking for an angle there, one of the things you have to really consider here is that if the Chiefs are able to run the ball, well, that could be a real issue for the, uh, for the uh, Tampa Bay Bucks. Look, it's not lost on me that the Chiefs were trailing by 10 with about five minutes to go last year, and eventually one of these things are going to catch up, and you're going up against Tom Brady. And I know that Buffalo had a 9 nothing lead last week, and Kansas City roared back and showed him who's boss, but all I can say is this. The moment was too big for Buffalo, 
They're going to be back, but they just weren't ready for it that day. I want to take a look at some stats that actually really matter. All right. First of all, the turnover differential this year, the Bucks they were plus eight. The Chiefs were plus six. But the first quarter point differential, the Bucks were minus 12. The Chiefs were plus 24. Red zone offense, we've talked about this. The Chiefs have had some issues in the red zone recently, settling for field goals. Only 10th, the Bucks are 5th. The red zone defense, Bucks are 19th, Chiefs are 32nd. Short yardage rushing offense, Bucks 1st, the Chiefs 32nd. Short yardage defense, Bucks 20th, Chiefs 32nd. The Bucs have a better defense, and they have better special teams. And when it comes down to place kicking in the postseason, the Buccaneers kicker, Ryan Suckup, he's a perfect 12-for-12 on postseason field goals and 17-of-18 on extra points. And Harrison Butker, he's missed a couple field goals, but he's 32-of-34 on extra points. The edge, I actually think the Bucs have a slight edge in this game. Now look, the one angle here that is concerning if you're a Brady fan is that the defensive coordinator for Kansas City is Steve Spagnola, and Steve Spagnola has had Brady's number. He's there's just no question when Sunday rolls around, he's going to run some exotic blitzes and multiple angles. And in the last four games versus Tom Brady, Spagnola's not only three and one. Brady's only had seven touchdowns and he's four six turnovers. His passer rating is eighty four point three, but. Are the Bucks peaking? Because in the first 12 games, they were 7-5. and five. In the last seven games, they're 7-0. and oh. Okay, we've got our guest. Let's go to the gentleman, Dave Sherapan. He's uh, been a good friend of mine for the last 10 years, an insider bookmaker here in Las Vegas. He's seen it all. And how many conversations have we had over the counter, like the one we're about to have? Say hello to Dave Sherapan. Dave, thanks for joining us. Bernie, what's up, man? Staying up late with you. I mean, like... We used to do it in the morning uh, at the book, and now we do it late night on the radio, brother. What's up? I'm glad you could make it, buddy. Want to get your perspective because, and sorry, we must have had a little technical difficulty there. But be that as it may, let's move forward. So, Dave, right out of the gate, 76% of the tickets are on Kansas City thus far. What do you make of that? I mean, why wouldn't they be? You know, it's, it's, it's Mahomes, it's the Chiefs, it's the defending champs, and – they won this exact matchup in week 12. So you fully expect the majority of the tickets to be on the Chiefs. Um, it may not be the majority of the money, but right. not surprising at all. I, I, the thing that's going to surprise me, Bernie, is going to be if this line moves off the three. You tell me which book is going to move off the three, and then we'll know what the real story is when that happens. Well, I'll tell you, buddy, I, I'll bet a finger it never you're never going to see two and a half. But I will say this, I think it's been three and a half at some shops. I grabbed three and a half earlier in the week. I doubt it gets to four because too much professional money would come in. But here's the thing, Dave, as you well know behind the book, and I'm sure you work many Super Bowls, it's my understanding almost 50% of the money, 50% of the action is going to come in on Saturday and Sunday. Oh, it's easily. I, I would say uh, someone asked me that earlier this week. I would put the number at 75% of the money or more comes in. Uh, between Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And I, I think that's even going to be more the case with the situation being what it is with the pandemic and everything and travel being so restricted and people being hesitant. You know, the parties are going to look a lot different. Um, the rooms are going to look a lot different. So I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know how much money has actually come in. So when you hear about 75% or 76% of the tickets are on the Chiefs, 
I don't know. I don't put much stock in that right now, and I don't know if I'll put much stock in that by the time the game kicks off. Well, that's true, and I would just say this, that this is one of those games where the public can match the pros in terms of dollar amount and handle and all of those things, so it remains to be seen, I guess, what happens. Dave, let's talk a little bit about props because that's something that's really taken on a life of their own, and it's kind of fascinating. I'm sure you've been part of that three-day process where you guys brainstorm and analyze what to learn from the year before and research all the data, then load it in the computer. I bet you had some long days and nights when you were putting together those props. Man, I'll tell you what, sitting in that room and having those debates, it's a lot of fun, one, but it's a lot of work. And trying to, I mean, like, you know, with some of the guys in town and, the, you know, like just the crew at the Westgate has done an amazing job with that packet. I was down there the other day picking it up, and, uh, you know, it just gets thicker and thicker every year. And then, you know, new books try new things, and you always try to top each other. And, like, one of the fun things that went on in the room was, you know, you would propose a prop, you know, it, it try to be different. And you would get, you know, shot down. You would get, well, that's, 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 that's okay. Or, wow, that's a great idea. And then someone else would come up with theirs. And we would actually bet each other on which prop was going to get more action. So it was a sense of pride. It was a competition <laughs> among the guys in the room. Yes, a, you know, a prop on well, a prop. <laughs> a pro, uh, right. So I mean, this is this is what we do. This is the life we've chosen. You know, to be around this business. So everything is like that in life. But this this one gives you a, a chance to shine, where you know you put up a number and see where it goes, and then you kind of predict where it's going to close and. It's just a, it's a little badge of honor if you're right, and you know it's uh you might have to hear about it for a week or two after the game if you're wrong. But it's it's a lot of fun competition, and like the cross sport props have taken on a whole new life of their own. And what, what can I come up with that may be different? And wow, I I, I don't know if that's the right number, but I'm going to put some opinion into it. Like this is that time when you can kind of put your opinion into something and get instantaneous feedback, for better or for worse. But, yeah, it's a, it, it is a lot of fun. But, again, by the time the game kicks off, you can take a deep breath and go, oh, okay, and then you've got to grade them. And that's the other thing. That's like right. Grading the props in the risk room, you know, you, listen, we, we all know the most bet on prop every single year. I'll let sure. you guess. Which one do you think it is? Well, I know last year was Patrick Mahomes rushing over yards. But I don't know. It could be the coin flip for all I know. Last year, last it is, year, it, it is. Go it's ahead. The coin flip, Bern. That's. I mean, you know what you're doing. Like that's what I'm talking about. It's right. the coin flip. And well, here's what's interesting, Dave. Not to cut you off. Go ahead. You talk about grading. It's my understanding. Once the coin flip is in, you grade those tickets immediately. People go cash your tickets, and they go they go bet more during the game. If you can, if you're an efficient book and you got an efficient crew, that's 100 percent what you do, and. I, I'll never forget a few years ago, you know, the biggest bet I ever saw on a coin toss in all of my time in the books here in Vegas was a 50-dime bet on the coin flip. It was yep. 50 dimes. And 50 flat because he didn't want to lay the 102 that we were offering. He just wanted 50 flat. Okay, fair enough. And we graded it. And, you know, coin flips, and the guy's in the room. Is it heads? Is it tails? Is it heads? Is it tails? And then, oh, it's tails. All right, grade it, grade it. Oh, we're stuck 38 dimes. You're stuck 38 times before they even walk on the field. 
And <laughs> it's fun because every drop like that, every one, the guy yells out, you know, if the boss is in the room, he wants to know, all right, how much was that one worth? And you, and it's just like a ticker. And, you know, first pass, incomplete or complete. And you, and you watch him drop back, and he throws incomplete. Oh, good, that was worth 18 dimes. Good. All right, we got some of the coin toss money back. And you go on like that. It's a really fun, unique day in the sports book uh, of all the days of the year. Talking with Dave Sherapan, longtime sports book operator here in Las Vegas, uh, CG Technology, Canter Gaming. Used to see him over at the M. Dave, before I let you run, I want you to grade a couple of uh, props that are uh, that I know for a fact a couple of professional betters I know have already fired on. The Chiefs under three and a half punts because, I mean, let's face it, the last five games, uh, the, you know, Kansas City's punter, Dustin Colquitt, he's been like the May- Maytag repairman. Plus, Reed likes to go for it on fourth down. Do you agree with that play? 100%. I actually thought the number should be two and a half. So, uh, Look at you. you. Got three and a half. Yeah. If you got three and a half, um, I figure one each half is, is what I came with, you know, when I looked at it. So three and a half is a great number. And I think that one is uh, one of the best ones that I've heard yet. So, yes, I like that one. The other one, uh, Dave, will there be a roughing the passer penalty? No minus 120. We all know there are fewer penalties in the Super Bowl anyway, and no one wants to be the guy who cheap shots Brady, and you can't get them a home. So I think that's a no play. What do you think? Wow. I don't know about making plays on the official calls because, the listen, the game is not officiated anything close to what we know it was. And it's even changed in the past, like, two years. It seems very flag-happy. And, yes, there's less calls in the playoffs. But you can guarantee if a guy's face, you know, if he touches Brady's face mask by accident, dropping a pass or, or going, point. You know, going to block good a ball, point. It, it's, it seems like that would be one that they would be willing to throw. So, I mean, the price isn't bad, but I would be leery of that one. I, I, I think that's too close to call. And if I'm asked to be uh, on a side there, I think I would rather have the yes. All right, Dave. Look, I apologize. We had a technical difficulty, so got to you late. Uh, let's get you on again in a few weeks as we get towards March Madness, Dave. All right? Hey, man. You know I'm only a phone call away. Anytime you need me to come, uh, I'll be on the show. If you need me to stay tonight, I can do that too. So whatever you need to do, I'm here for you. Be back in touch shortly, Dave. Thanks so much. Really appreciate you, man. That is Dave Sherapan, longtime sportsbook director here in Las Vegas. CG Technologies, Canner Gaming, knows his stuff. Good Pittsburgh guy. A lot of fun to hang around with. Up next, we're going to have another great guest. Aaron Torres is our college basketball hoops guru. And there's a lot of storylines forming. Now, by the way, I haven't forgotten. Believe me, we are going to get to Matt Stafford. And we are going to get to the origin and story behind prop bets and some other prop bets you're going to want to know about. we get got a lot of things to get to tonight. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Farmers Insurance Fox Sports Radio Studios. This is the pregame show you always wanted. So don't go away. You're listening to Straight Out of Vegas. Straight out of Vegas! The great Bernie Fratto, folks. We are back on Straight Out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Farmers Insurance Fox Sports Radio Studios. Call 1-88-FARMERS to switch, and you could save a bundle on your car insurance. All right, let's welcome in a gentleman. You hear him every Saturday night, 8 to 11, with Arnie Spanier. He's our college basketball guru here at Fox Sports Radio. Say hello to Aaron Torres. Aaron, how are you, buddy? 
Bernie, just nice to uh, to be on air with a real professional tonight. So, <laughs> th- thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks for coming on there, buddy. Uh, look, uh, I want to dive right in with the elephant in the room. Gonzaga won again tonight. They've now won 14 in a row by double digits. They're actually drawing comparisons to the UNLV 1990 team. I don't know if I believe that. But be that as it may, do you expect them to go all the way and finish the job? And if not, who could trip them up? So uh, I, I think they'll enter the NCAA tournament undefeated. And there's actually a few reasons why. Um, you know, one, they're they're – significantly better than every team in their conference, the WCC. There have been years past where there is a second legitimate team in that conference, including last year where I think BYU, had there been an NCAA tournament, could have been a real threat to make a real deep run. BYU is good this year, but if you watched them today, they needed a couple overtimes to beat Pacific. And so you look at the conference, uh, there's there's just nobody that's going to even be competitive with them. And I would add on top of this, and I know we're going to get to it in a minute, I'm not sold Gonzaga's going to play in a conference tournament this year. So, you add, well. yeah, you add those two factors in, I think they will enter the NCAA tournament undefeated. We can get into some other variables. I don't even know if they're the best team in the country. I really like the way Baylor's playing right now. They're an incredible juggernaut, and I think that they're defi- – I don't want to say definitively, but I, I feel very confident they're going to enter the NCAA tournament undefeated. All right, fair enough. And then anything can happen there. It's pretty hard to win six in a row. But let's let's not bury the lead here because one of the topics that emerged last week was this conference tournament situation and how some schools are seriously considering opting out. What are your thoughts on this? I think it is probably the single biggest story among people that work in college basketball that I don't believe has really gone mainstream yet. Um, I think conference tournaments are going to get played. They mean too much money to too many conferences, to too many uh, TV networks, all that kind of stuff. And the big conferences certainly are incentivized to play those conference tournaments uh, because, say, a a conference like the Big Ten that might have four or five teams on the bubble, you obviously want to put as many teams as possible in position to make the NCAA tournament where you can make real money by getting teams in and having them win games there. Where it gets complicated, though, is a couple places. You think about the teams that are definitively not only in the NCAA tournament, but comfortable with their seating, all that kind of stuff. Is it really worth the risk of going to a conference tournament, uh, potentially getting infected with the virus, having players potentially miss time in the NCAA tournament to play what is ultimately a meaningless conference tournament? Now, I don't think that applies to, uh, say, a North Carolina who's not very good this year, Duke, Kansas, whoever. But you talk about Gonzaga. Is there really any benefit to them going to the the WCC tournament and potentially risking players getting the virus for Baylor in the Big 12? I'll take it a step further, Bernie. This is something I don't think a lot of people realize. The NCAA has put in all kinds of crazy rules uh, for uh, travel and safety protocol in the NCAA tournament this season. And I bring that up because one of the rules is when you're eliminated from your conference tournament, you have to stay at the conference tournament site until it's time to travel to the NCAA tournament. What does that mean? Baylor goes to the Big 12 tournament. They lose on Thursday. They got to sit around a hotel in Texas or wherever. I think Kansas City is where it's played. And they can't leave to go back to campus until it's time to leave for Indy. So there are so many variables. 
And I just think it's a fascinating topic. It's going to lead to a lot of kind of big picture conversations about the validity of the field and all that kind of stuff, because is it a valid field if Gonzaga doesn't even compete for their conference championship, which would allow uh, somebody else to get the automatic bid? Same with any of these teams that opt out. Uh, And I think there's conferences like the WCC, like the AAC, where Houston is running away with it, that are actually incentivized to tell their best teams to stay home. So it's a fascinating topic that's really going to take on a layer a bunch of layers here i believe over the next couple weeks talking with aaron torrance or aaron torres sorry about that there buddy last time i ran a tongue from that place no i will tell you i have always believed if i ever need a pseudonym in a hotel i'll go with aaron torrance because i <laughs> because i'm just like it's close enough where if i forget that i used it as a pseudonym i'll remember but it is torres yeah so right yeah at least i didn't say aaron el segundo or something like there that. there you go yeah uh we are talking with aaron torres fox sports radio guru college hoops uh aaron I don't want to spend much time on this, but since, I mean, it's been since Moby Dick was a minnow, since the Blue Bloods, like, uh, you know, uh, Kentucky, uh, North Carolina, Duke, uh, they were not even in the top 25. What, What do you, you know, what do you make of that? What I make of it is, Bernie, is, uh, you know, what I'll say is this, is that, uh, you know, there are a lot of things that, that can be be true, um, and I understand the frustration of a Kentucky fan, of a Duke fan, even of a Kansas fan, who I don't think people realize has lost four of their last five, even though they'll probably make the NCAA tournament. And what I think has happened this year is very simple, is that I don't believe that there are any programs that were hurt more by the very uh, nature of this particular offseason than Kentucky and Duke. And what I mean by that is this offseason was not normal. For people who don't know the college basketball offseason, players can come back to campus You know, sometime around June 1st, right after Memorial Day. They can practice with the coaches a couple times a week, and then they really ramp things up once school starts in the fall. You obviously get a few exhibition games, those out-of-conference games to really load up and get comfortable. Well, you take all of that off the table for a school like Kentucky or a school like Duke, which is essentially flipping over its roster year after year and always relying on freshmen, and I think it really hurts them. Uh, Duke seems to be finally figuring it out, but you look at Kentucky, I mean, I don't think it's going to get better, but it's also in large part because the first uh, uh, they haven't the first two games of the season after that, they have played only power conference teams. And that was a team that needed Eastern Kentucky, Western Illinois, Southern Louisiana, you know, name the directional school. They needed a few of those teams on the schedule. They didn't get it. I think it's hurt Kentucky and Duke more than anything. But, you know, you add in the fact Kansas isn't playing that well. North Carolina's not playing that well. Michigan State, I know you, oh, you're going to talk about Michigan once I get off with you here. Uh, Michigan State's another one that I think they're probably on the outside looking in if yeah. the tournament was decided yeah. today. Yeah. But when you lose when you lose to Rutgers by 30, you know we're living in bizarre world. Okay, we're wrapping it up with Aaron Torres. But, Aaron, before we do, Look, buddy, they're going to have a March Madness tournament this year because they have to recoup some of the money they lost. But I understand it's going to be in a bubble in Indianapolis. What can you tell us about that? Yeah, they wouldn't like the word use of the word bubble because by technicality, players are going to be kind of bouncing all over the, the greater Indiana Indianapolis area. Uh, but it is a bubble, Bernie. So they're going to tell you it's not a bubble, but it is. Um, essentially, the entire tournament is going to be played in and around Indianapolis. Now, that'll include Bloomington, which is where University of Indiana is, or Indiana University, West Lafayette, where Purdue is. Uh, but the idea is kind of get everyone in one place. Um, you can control the environment. 
Um, you know, everyone is on the same page and it just never made sense in this pandemic, in this world that we live in to have teams go into three different sites in three different weekends, let alone a conference tournament where you're talking about four different sites in four different weekends. So teams are literally, they're going to get there about four or five days before the tournament starts, I guess even a little bit earlier because you need seven straight days of negative tests before you're allowed to play. Um, and you're going to get there and you're going to hang out in a hotel and you're going to lay low. Uh, and then we're going to play the tournament, and the schedule is going to be a little bit different this year. It's going to start a day or two later. There's going to be a different timing in terms of the the structure of the tournament, but everything's going to be in Indianapolis, all 68 teams, until we get to the final one early April. All right, Aaron, let's do this. Let's get you back on uh, March 14th is Selection Sunday. Ooh. Let's get you on before then. It'll be here before you know it, and we can chop things up then. I all can't right? wait to see what the scene is like at that point. Thank you for having me, Bernie. All right, that's Aaron Torres, our Fox Sports Radio guru when it comes to college hoops. You hear him every Saturday night with Arnie Spanier from 8 to 11, a very lively show. Coming up, we're going to have Sleepy's Best Bet. And, yes, we are going to dive in to this Matt Stafford situation, and I'll give you my thoughts. I only cover the Lions in Detroit for the better part of 10 years, so I might have a thing or two to say about that. But first... Let's go to the man we affectionately refer to him as the Wizard of Westwood. It's Brian Finley with the latest. Well, thank you so much, Bernie. And yes, UCLA basketball got the win on Saturday. But, you know, that's not necessarily the lead. It has to be Matt Stafford moving to the LA Rams. There's a big trade that was announced on Saturday night. And you've seen many reports out there as the Rams will give up a first-round draft pick in 2021 along with one in 2023 and a third-round pick in 2021 along with Jared Goff for the aforementioned Matt Stafford. L.A., by the way, does not have a first-round selection until 2024. In the NBA, the Lakers tap dance past the Celtics 96-95. Anthony Davis, 27 points, 14 rebounds. Boston's Marcus Smart strained his left calf, and according to reports, he will have an MRI on Sunday. The Warriors bottle up the Pistons 118-91. Steph Curry, 28 points. He canned six three-pointers. The Suns strangled the Mavericks 111-105. Chris Paul turned it on in the fourth quarter, scoring 16 of his 27 points in that final period. How about Dallas? losing four games in a row. Meanwhile, the Rockets have won five games in a row after they take down the Pelicans 126-112. And earlier on Saturday, Trailblazers Damian Lillard had the ball in his hands, down a couple, looking to win the game against the Bulls. It's Damian Lillard with the ball, down to two seconds left, three for the win, buries it, and the Blazers win! Damian Lillard, the fadeaway three at the buzzer, and the Blazers win it 123-122. It's a Rip City winner! Trail Blazers Radio Network as the Blazers were down by five with 8.9 seconds left, and Lillard rattles off two threes in that period. Let's get back to Bernie Fratto. His sports gambling picks are as effective as counting cards. <laughs> or maybe the band Counting Crows. <laughs> that, that too. All right. Thanks, Brian. The silver-tongued devil, Brian Finley. All right. Another silver-tongued ve- uh, devil, Sleepy. He's up with another best bet. It's a prop bet. Pay close attention to this one having to do with a running back. You think's under the radar, but I'm going to tell you why he's not. Let's give it a listen. 
All right, Bernie, here we go. NFL Super Bowl 55 best bet prop bet. Now I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to give you Daryl Williams' longest rushing attempt over eight and a half rushing yards. Now Williams went over this current number four times during the regular season and most notably twice in the two playoff games for the Chiefs. He had a long of 13 against Buffalo and a long of 16 against Cleveland. Here's my big factor for this game here, Bernie. Now I think that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you know, that they have a good enough rush defense where they might actually decommit from that because of the passing attack from the Kansas City Chiefs. We remember what the Chiefs did, you know, to this Buccaneers defense not too long ago where Patrick Mahomes went off for, you know, 460 some yards and Tyreek Hill had, you know, some historic record first half where he was doing somersaults in the end zone. It's that Chiefs passing attack that the Buccaneers need to really go ahead and focus on in this game or it could be trouble. Therefore, I don't believe that Williams is going to get a whole lot of attention in this game. Now, I understand that Le'Veon Bell is coming back. Clyde Edwards-Alaire is coming back. But I'm not really too concerned with those players, being that Williams got the bulk of the carries in the playoffs. Also, take note of this, that when Tampa Bay played the Chiefs this year, Williams didn't even play in that game. So that Buccaneers defense, maybe they don't pay a whole lot of attention to Williams thinking that he's that much of a threat. And I can tell you one thing about the Buccaneers defense. When they played the Chiefs the first time, Le'Veon Bell played in that game and had a rush for 10 yards or more. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire played in that game, and he had a rush for 10 yards or more. Also, quarterback Patrick Mahomes had a rush in that game for 10 yards or more. Therefore, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to play Daryl Williams to go ahead and have a rush of 9 yards or more to cash that ticket, Bernie. And that's going to be my Super Bowl 55 best bet prop bet. All right, so there you have it. Sleepy's been rock solid all year on prop bets, and or best bets, most of them have been prop bets. And here's what's distinctive about that call. Last year, Damian Williams broke off a 38-yard run to give Kansas City a 31-20 lead for the final score in the game in the Chiefs' victory over the 49ers last year. So that might end up being a really good prop play. Uh, Later on on the show, I'm going to go into great detail on prop plays, the history of prop plays, the origin, how they started, and what they've grown to now. Some of the numbers will blow your mind, but I want to talk about this Matt Stafford thing. Obviously, you heard uh, Steve DeSager uh, broke the news here on Fox Sports Radio a couple of hours ago. Look, Stafford comes to the Rams, and clearly, if they don't go to a Super Bowl or win a Super Bowl with Stafford, then this is a bust. It's, there's, there's nothing in between. They've already been to a Super Bowl with Jared Goff, and they won a playoff game this year and look good doing it. So Stafford has to be that X factor. We all know I covered the Lions for many years in Detroit. Don't need to go down that road. Did Lions pre- and post-game show. Stafford plays hard. He plays hurt. I respect him. He's no stranger to the highlight reel. He does everything but win. You would think once in 12 years that he would put this organization on his back. They've been to the playoffs three times. They've had pro bowlers. They've had guys leave the organization to do well elsewhere. You have to have been there in Detroit. You have to have been at Ford Field to see what I see and see what happens when you get to those critical moments in the game where you define the moment or the moment defines you. Stafford, clearly to me, is a guy you might win with, but you're not going to win because of. If I had a nickel for every time Stafford rolled right, tried to extend a play when there was nothing there, threw a floater across his body right into a sea of hands to kill a drive – 
I'd be rich. Or, or watching him fumble on the goal line, or watching him, you know, uh, fight out of the pocket to to try to live another day and make a hero play, or not to live another day to try to make a glory play, and he doesn't secure the ball, carrying it like a loaf of bread, he gets stripped out of his hands. Look, Matt Stafford will throw for a lot of yards. He'll do a lot of things, but most of the time he did it, it was meaningless. They were getting beat late in the fourth quarter. They were getting beat in the second half. And many times they had those deficits on turnovers he called. Look, Stafford broke in in 2009. He was the number one draft pick. He went to Highland Park High School in Dallas, the same high school that Bobby Lane went to. Bobby Lane was the starting quarterback in 1957 when the last time the Lions won a championship. It was long before the Super Bowl. January 6, 1992, the Lions won their only playoff game since 1957. Quarterback Dave Craig and they were outstanding. Those were decent Lions teams. So the bottom line is this. It's either going to work or it's not. And, and before I turn it over to the crew, I'm going to let these guys weigh in. Because they all live in L.A., and Chris is from Detroit also. He might have a little bit different take than I've got. The Lions are going to eat $17.3 million in dead cap money so they can compete against Matt Stafford. Yes, the Rams play the Lions this year. Get your popcorn ready. All right, let's turn it over to the crew. Uh, let's start with actually... Let's start with Ryan Bershinger, because Ryan hosts a uh, show with Bo Benson called Swing Shift. And I, Ryan, are you going to have Matt Stafford on your show anytime soon? Uh, he's more than welcome to come on. He absolutely could. He can come on and talk about Clayton Kershaw. That'll be a, that'll be a good time. You know, they, they went to high school together right. in Dallas. That's right. <laughs> of course. Highland Park High School. All right, what are your thoughts? You're a Rams fan. I, I think I, I think this is a great move for the Rams. I, I Their championship window is right now. They know that. And uh, out of quarterbacks that were available... Uh, really, the only better option would be Deshaun Watson, and unless the Texans wanted a first-rounder in like 2031, I don't think the Rams really had the the more immediate draft capital to be able to get Watson. So I think this was the, the best option that was realistic for them, and I think it's a very good move. I'm excited. All right. You're losing your defensive coordinator, though. That's got to be a little – that's a conversation for a different day. All right, Chris Perfett, the Detroit native. I know you were a big Stafford fan, and I respect that. I don't dislike Stafford. I just don't want to be in a foxhole with him. What are your thoughts? So I would say this because I do. I have been covering the Lions now since uh, at least 2014, and I've been doing quite a bit up there. I will say of Stafford in recent years, he protects the ball a lot better. I mean, this guy is now on an NFL leader list or fourth quarter comeback. Some will say maybe he dug a few of those himself, but I mean, those numbers are there. Those stats are there. Quarterbacks are not the only piece on a field. They don't play defense. They are, if nothing else, an engine. They have to be put in the right spots. He's never had a run game in Detroit. As much as they've tried to put a run game around him, only now recently do they have something in DeAndre Swift. I think in L.A., He'll look phenomenal. I think for the Lions, they got a lot back. I don't think they'll be competing much this year. They're going to eat this salary with with Jared Goff. They're going to have a season more like the Jets or Jaguars, but then they'll be able to get out from underneath Goff. Then they have enough draft capital. They have flexibility for the next few drafts. They can rebuild their team however they want now that Stafford is gone. All right, fair enough, Chris. Covered a lot of ground. I would say this. The Lions won five games this year with Stafford. I bet you they win more games next year, and I bet you they improve incrementally better than the Rams improve over the season they had last year. All right, let's go to Brian Finley. Brian, what are your thoughts? I think that this is a high-risk situation for the Rams because they are going to go, what is it now, guys, seven, they're going to make it eight years or something around that where they will not 
have a first-round draft pick. So there's a whole lot of pressure on Stafford to stay healthy. And Chris would know better than anyone that Stafford at times has been injury-prone. So you're really putting a lot of pressure on this quarterback who has never really shown that he is the kind of leader that can take his team into the playoffs what she's done, yes, but they haven't won in the playoffs. So there's no concerns with me as far as his skill set and his talent, but what's yet to be seen, Bernie, is his leadership qualities under pressure, playing meaningful games late into November and December when he got the Seahawks and the, the Cardinals That's on right. rise. That's right. And he's never done well against the Seahawks or the Cardinals. Yes. Or the Niners, or the Rams for that matter. Good stuff, Brian. And by the way, not for nothing, he's 8 and 55 against teams who finished above 500. And again, once in 12 years, you'd think you could elevate a franchise. And let me just set the record straight because when Stafford was a rookie in 09, he landed funny on his shoulder. It wasn't his fault and dislocated his shoulder, and he missed the rest of 2009. Then in week one of 2010, he had the same fluke injury, and they called him a China doubt. That's not fair. The guy's tougher than a $2 steak. He's tough. I don't question his his you know ability to compete. I don't question his huddle presence, his command, any of those things. It's just that when it matters most, he's Eddie Haskell. Okay, he's the guy who, hey, take my car to the car wash. He brings it back, fills it up, vacuums it out, and all of a sudden you go look at the driver's side door and there's a dent. You say, where'd that come from? That's Matt Stafford. I'm telling you, Ram fans. I'm not going to eat my words. A year ago, I was talking about how Tom Brady would win 10 games and Bill Belichick would win less than eight. How'd that work out? If I'm wrong next December, I'll own up to it. I don't think I'm going to be. All right, coming up, I want to talk about the Super Bowl prop betting, and it's taken on a life of its own. There's a terrific backstory there. There's a lot to cover. And oh, by the way, there's only 1,200 choices this year. Incredible. I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the Farmers Insurance Fox Sports Radio Studios. And this is the pregame show you always wanted, so don't go away. You're listening to Straight Out of Vegas. Straight out of Vegas! One of the best in the business, Bernie Fratto. We are back on Straight Out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Farmers Insurance Fox Sports Radio Studios. Call Farmers today for a quote. All right, it's already hot and heavy. People are betting props like you can't believe. There'll probably be almost $50 million wagered here in Las Vegas on props. Uh, this, you know, Super Bowl 55 all by themselves. And it's sort of interesting how this whole thing started because you remember Super Bowl 20 when the Bears killed the New England Patriots. Prior to that game, there was never such a thing called props. Well, they put up one prop, Refrigerator Perry, 101 to score a touchdown, and it hit. And it was off and running. And by 1987, there were over 30 prop bets. And then a few years later, the Imperial Palace, an obscure book, property that's no longer open here in Vegas, they ruled out 100 prop bets, and they became the go-to for prop bets. And the bookmakers realized that this was really something that would catch on, and it did. And there's two types of props. There are player props. Like, for instance, Tom Brady, will he pass for more or less than 301 passing yards, minus 110 at William Hill? So you're basically predicting that if he throws less than that, you bet the under, or more, you bet the over. You get the, you get the picture. Chris Godwin, 74 receiving yards. If you want to predict that he goes over, you, you get the picture. Game props are also a way to bet. 
And those are based on stats or occurrences that happen throughout the game, such as the result of the opening kickoff or when the first play of the game will be, over-under, the amount of turnovers by both teams. Good example is last year, Super Bowl 54. There was an over-under for the longest field goal, 47.5 yards. The Niners kicked a 42-yarder in the third quarter, and that was the longest one. So if you played the under, you got it. This year, there are 1,200 ways to bet props. And I'll give. we're going to go in next week. Steve Fezzik and I are going to do a full show. And we're going to go over all this, and it's going to be a lot of fun. But you're going to have all kinds of chances, like, will Tom Brady throw three picks? That is six to one. And we're not going to go through all 1,200, but we're going to give you some best bets next week. I want to thank Aaron Torres and Dave Sherapan for coming on. I want to thank my crew as well, Brian Finley, Chris Perfett, and Ryan Bershinger for all your hard work back in Los Angeles. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Straight Out of Vegas. I'm Bernie Fratto. Next up, the man from Nashville who brings us strong. It's time for the Jason Martin Show. Keep it locked right here on Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas!